It's Divas That Care Radio. Stories, strategies, and ideas to inspire positive change. Welcome to Divas That Care, a network of women committed to making our world a better place for everyone. This is a global movement for women, by women, engaged in a collaborative effort to create a better world for future generations. To find out more about the movement, visit divasthatcare.com after the show. Right now, though, stay tuned for another jolt of inspiration. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Divas That Care. My name is Candace Gish. Well, thank you, each and every one of you that has tuned in to today's program. We have an exciting guest for you today. We're going to be welcoming a brand new diva to our family, Lindsay Hadley. And I am so excited to get to know this amazing woman. Uh, she's doing so many fantastic things all around the world, so I know you're going to love her. All right, if this is your very first time tuning into the Divas That Care, a big welcome. The Divas That Care is now in its 11th season, and we are listened to in over 30 countries around the world. It is because of all of you amazing listeners that share our program that I find that we are doing a big impact in the world. So thank you guys so much for everything that you're doing. All right, everybody, let's get started. Welcome to the program, Lindsay. I'm so excited to get to know you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, Candice. Well, I am beyond excited, and thank you. I know it is quite early where you live and um, to come on our program today, so we're beyond excited. Uh, Lindsay, would you mind uh, sharing a little bit about yourself, telling us a little bit about you? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm originally from Utah. I'm living right now on the North Shore in Oahu. You mentioned the time difference. Um, we were up at the crack of dawn here. That's just kind of how that rolls, but... Um, I run a small boutique agency called Hadley Impact Consulting, where we help people amplify the good they're doing in the world through a bunch of different services. We do everything from fundraising, event production, strategy, influencer acquisition, creative work, um, and campaigning uh, to help people make the biggest possible impact. And it's just like a one-stop shop. Um, social impact agency. It's pretty. It's been a pretty meaningful career and um, purpose-driven, and and you know, feel real honored to have worked with such incredible human beings along the way. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, I love what you're doing. I had the opportunity to go to your website, and I thought, oh my goodness, you are definitely making an impact. You're helping so many individuals create almost like their passion, what they they're they're meant to do, and helping others in return. And I just, I absolutely love it. So. Thank you so much for doing that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You know, our um, expertise, like I, I joke a lot, but, you know, since we provide all these different services, you can assume that we are, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. That's that's fairly accurate, you know. I mean, in a way, <laughs> there, are people that, there are people that are much better at specialized at PR or event production or whatever it may be. Where we punch way above our weight is we are activators. We begin things, and we are global experts. We put in, like, the 10,000 hours, I guess, to be considered um, experts in our craft for the convener model, this meta-campaigning, which I know we're going to talk a little bit about today, one that we just we just launched. But um, meta-campaigning is essentially the most helpful way to think of it is, um, do you remember in the 90s, the Got Milk commercials that, that boomed, where, you know, oh, there yeah. was, uh, the milk mustache all the celebrities wore? Um, that's a classic example of a meta campaign. Um, that was for the, the, the milk industry, and it, it wasn't ran by one individual milk brand, but rather the milk industry at large encouraging consumers to drink more milk. Um, we design campaigns like that for sectors and causes. So 
charities are often viciously competing for limited resources and attention. And we play like a choir conductor to get them to sing in a choir so that they espouse the same messaging and content at the same time. And by doing so, saturate the market. And like a rising tide, all the boats can come up. So we designed these meta campaigns, these initiatives that all of them, that benefit all of them instead of one organization. And, and that's something that oh, is a particular that. expertise that, yeah, we've, we've had the joy of, um, of, of learning and working in the last decade. What a great thing to do because it is. It's almost overwhelming. You know, you see all these different things happening, but if you're able to amalgamate all of them together, what a great thing to help each and every one of them out at the same time. Well, thank you for saying that. I feel like it's really dumb smart. My mentor calls, you know, really things that are common sense that aren't common (laughs) practice. You know, dumb smart. I love that. Um, Yeah, like we all know that we go further when we go together. We all know that you're going to sing a lot louder louder in a choir of voices than as as a soloist. Um, And yet it's very rare that people actually galvanize that way you know it's it's really interesting like we're too parochial we're too invested in our own agendas our own overhead our own initiatives um it takes like a third party person like like our agency to like you know galvanize this yeah mass support and um and coordinate like kind of in a third party way but it, when when we do it it's just radically um impressive the outcomes i mean it's just there's no comparison how much more value can be brought to to issues as a result i love it well to me it's all about the collaboration why would you not want to do that competing against one another is so hard and when you can collaborate you know you can accomplish so much more that's right that's right you know in the private sector there's a sort of decorum like the gloves are off me the best man win you know you're you're you know you're maybe you're Nike and Adidas and it's like, you know, who, who's going to get the consumer dollar. And it's like a complete understanding that it's the free market and, and this is how this works. Um, but in the, in the nonprofit sector, it's supposed to be about the issue, not about your, your winning. It's supposed to be about refugees or, you know, vulnerable children or the climate, or it's supposed to be about race inequality, right? It's supposed to be about the mission and the thing that we're serving yeah. the cause. That's really at the forefront. And so collaboration is key. It's, it's, it's instrumental. It's, it's imperative. So, um, and yet, yeah, there's just not a tremendous amount of ideation and innovation going on for more collaboration. And so, yeah, we've, we've, we've been overjoyed to, to play that role and to build these bridges and reduce redundancy and waste and, and um, competition and instead create collaboration. It's, it's a real joy to do that. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Oh, my goodness. Well, we're going to be talking about the new one that you are working on. Um, let's talk about Orphan Myth. I'm excited about this because I had never heard of it. Obviously, you just said it's just something that you're starting, but it's it's a great thing. Thank you for letting me have a chance to speak about it. So Orphan Myth is one of these meta campaigns that we just, you know, I was just, we were just discussing um, this convener model, meta campaigning, it's a collaboration between 45 different organizations that are addressing vulnerable children um, who, who currently in the world, when we, when we think of orphans, in fact, the name of itself is Orphan Myth. We're trying to dispel these myths around orphans. Um, right now, the vast majority, there's over $3 billion a year coming out of like particularly the West, the Christian community, um, who have, have run towards the suffering of orphans in, in such a profound way due to, due to the faith background. I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, so 
you know, we believe um, that, that it's one of God's clarion calls is to take care of the orphan. And, you know, the genuineness to like address that suffering and help these kids has, has surged in and mostly looks like building institutional care in third world countries when addressing orphans, you see orphanages being built and orphans being sponsored and, um, you know, a lot of long-term warehousing of children. And what we found is the longitudinal studies are pretty clear. And in fact, there was a resolution um, ratified uh, by the UN called the rights to the child that basically is addressing this very issue that the longitudinal studies show that um, kids who are in long-term institutional care instead of in families do so much worse. So currently 80% of all orphans and orphanages around the world actually have living parents. They're not orphans the way we think. This is so tragic when you first realize this. This is one of the major myths is that orphans and orphanages are actually not orphans the way you think, the way the Disney movies portray mom and dad are dead and, you know, they're totally on their own. The vast mm-hmm. majority of them have been relinquished there by parents, many of which are parents who love them, who made this impossible choice, who decided, look, they viewed the institution as like a boarding school solution. They saw it as like, wow, my child can get fed and educated there. Like if you build it, they will come kind of situation. It was like, wow, they'll, you know, this is a better life for them. So they put their children into these institutions. Um, and the research just is so, so indicative that the kids would have been better with their families. Um, that even if they had one meal a day and no education wow. and less medical intervention, they would have been better off. Like, Stats are devastating what happens to children in institutional care. They're 500 times more likely to die by suicide. They, are, uh, they have worse PTSD than veterans of war. 80 to 90% in some regions of all human trafficking victims come out of foster care and or, and or um, institutional orphanages. Um, the, the statistics of how, much, how many of them are sexually exploited or abused or have some kind of, you know, um, terrible sexual encounter as a result of their vulnerability, um, you know, their mental health, their poverty, incarceration, and all of these issues um, that we care about in society, homelessness, they, that you can go back and look that if we don't get kids in permanent loving families, like those are the results. It's further upstream to most of society's ills. And I feel so passionate about sharing this and, and this whole cohort does, this whole initiative yeah. is trying to help help address this. So the three major myths are one that 80% of orphans and orphanages are not actual orphans. They have living parents. Um, and, and the second myth is that we don't have any orphans here in the United States. Like that's a huge myth. Oh, we don't have orphans. We don't have orphans. We don't call them that. They're, they're children experiencing foster care. That's what we call them here in the U S there are 400,000 children in foster care in the United States. And of those a hundred thousand of them have been awarded custody of the state they live in and they'll never go back to their parents due to severe neglect and abuse. Um, they will, they have been, their parental rights have been terminated. They now belong to the governor and the state. And um, they are our orphans, literally a hundred thousand of them. So we have them in our own backyards in every state. And, you know, you don't have to go on a missions trip to Mexico to like help the orphan. Like you, they're literally in your okay. own community. So that's another one of the major myths we wanted to sell is this awareness of Can I- the plight of, can I interrupt yeah. you and ask you a question? Oh, please. Yeah, please. Why is this something that nobody's talking about? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. I think one of the reasons is foster care has been 
stigmatized severely. Um, people have thought in the past that these children are like problematic. There is a lot of trauma out of children who have been displaced and not been in permanent families, but there's a bunch of myths around that misunderstanding. Um, these kids are not bad kids or troubled kids or kids in juvie or whatever. These are kids that have experienced tremendous amount of trauma and there are some behavioral you know, um, patterns and, and, and challenges statistically, but it's like they are products of what has happened to them. They are victims of a system in generational poverty and, and a broken society, right? Um, and trauma. And so I think that's part of it. It's complicated. Um, it's something that um, is very, it, it's a very messy uh, topic because, you know, when you look at like, I've I've been a part of lots of initiatives in my career and the extreme poverty, anti-trafficking, um, vaccines, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Like I, I had the privilege of being a part of an initiative that raised $118 million for polio eradication, you know, a decade ago called Band of Polio. And that's a very clear cut science base, even though people can politicize it and have opinions about vaccines and everything at the end of the day, like the, the research is definitive. There's science backing it. It's a dollar per vaccination. It's the metrics are clear and simple. You get vaccinated. You don't get polio. We've eradicated polio pretty much because of the vaccine on our planet. It's a huge gift to humanity. You know, like there's certain things that are just like, oh, here's a clean water well. If you have potable clean water, you don't die of dysentery and diarrhea. Like there's just simple hacks in the charitable realm. Yeah. The complication of children and families is much more um you know, nuanced and robust and enmeshed and dynamic and elusive and challenging and personal, right? Because um, the main thing that we're advocating with orphan myth is that prevention first, that kids can stay with their biological parents. And then secondly, adoption when that's not possible. So they're, they're not institutionalized and they're not rotting in a system. They're not going from home to home to home in foster care or staying in an orphanage. Um, and then, and then, you know, um, the hope is or reunification. So prevention, reunification, and adoption last. But we never really feel kids should just be institutionalized. Um, and so um, that that's kind of the goal is that every kid deserves a permanent loving family. And there's a lot of comp- – that's very complicated. People have different origin stories. And there's communities of adoptees who have had really terrible experiences. There's, there's stories of, you know, human trafficking that's been done in the, in the name of adoption. There's – you know, exploitation being done for groups that are, you know, getting them reunified. Like there's just a lot, it's a very complicated, messy thing. And so I think a lot of people have stayed away from it, but I, I, I don't think that's the answer. And this whole movement is trying to point that like, no, we, we can't agree that kids deserve a permanent loving family. Like the research is clear. Our hearts are clear. Those of us who have faith, like they, that, that is the greatest human right. And that's the resolution that was ratified by, by 193 countries is that, yeah, it's a human right to be in a family. Like if you're an institution, a little orphanage in Sri Lanka, and all you're doing is meeting the temporal needs of kids and you're just long-term warehousing them and you've got no purview to get them in a family and you're just kind of making a business of taking care of their temporal needs, you're not meeting their basic human right. Like you're in violation of the United Nations rights to the child re- resolution. So that's that's where we all agree. Kids deserve a family, so let's do everything we can on that purview. And that's that's I think it's just it's been um, really politicized, really dicey. What does a family mean, right? There's so many different opinions about all of this stuff, and and so it's complicated. And people just kind of say, they like simple metrics, they like simple soundbitey things. Look at our media. Look at look oh, at our yeah. narratives today. But that's just not how the world works. The world is much more 
complicated, nuanced, messy, dynamic, and um, complex. And to me, that doesn't mean, I mean, in any way, it makes it less worthy. In fact, the more challenging things are by far usually the most rewarding, the most demonstrably yeah. valuable. And you need and those impact. conversations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's that's the main p- point is that we're trying to build that conversation and build that movement. I believe um, in my heart of hearts that this issue is going to be in the next 10, 15 years. Uh, you know, you'll see what, what we've seen in other issues. It's interesting how causes, you start to see momentum and you see a bubbling up. Like I've been in the social good world my whole career and about 10 you know, 15 years ago, I was working on refu- refugee issues. When, this is before the Syrian crisis, when you would talk about refugees and people would be like, illegal immigrants? What? Like, they had no idea even what a refugee was, right? With a term asylum seeker. And any, I mean, now it's a household issue because of what's happened and the movement of that mm-hmm. um, entire industry. Same with human trafficking. I, I did a uh, anti-trafficking uh, charity concert to raise money for an organization a decade ago, and it was called Child Rescue, the organization and the, the 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 concert, the festival that I put on. I remember going around and trying to convince businesses to sponsor and people to participate, and they're like, human trafficking, what is this? And they were like, oh, like the movie Taken. Like there were only reference about this was the movie Taken, you know? Um, and yeah. that was a decade ago. Look at how household in every church and every home and every person and every conversation and every business is now like aware of, you know, the implications of modern day slavery and like how, how it's happening in our own backyards. And right. So issues have, they, they can build a movement and, and it's, it's always done by, by someone starting to build that, that, um, that momentum. And so that's what we're trying to do here. I believe that in the next 10 years, people will be like, wow, I can't believe we used to just fund orphanages when the solution was getting them into families. And we were creating a family separation crisis by our best efforts to help and, and, you know, fund orphanages. Yeah. Well, I think you're doing that by what you've, you've accomplished here. And I want to ask you about your charity partners. You know, how does an individual or an organization become a part of this? And tell us some of, about some of the ones that you have so far. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'd love to talk about it. And, and I'll just share this one last piece, which is that the third myth, so we really were dispelling these three myths and leading with this. The third myth is that we can't do anything about it, right? That's, that's the worst myth of all. It's like, oh, it's too complicated. There's just the supply and demand issue. Like before I got into this work, I literally believed there were orphanages and orphans because there just weren't enough parents that wanted these kids. I thought it was a supply and demand issue. Like there just aren't people that want them. That's also not true. The research shows there are more families that would take in kids than there are kids and more families that would want to be reunified with their kids if we could, you know, address the systemic poverty issues and the other underlying issues that got them separated in the first place. Um, So this is something that's solvable. And seeking this is a great segue into these, 45 charity partners, many of them are doing this great work. Um, Some of them are organizations that are like convening and collaborating and doing awareness. Some are actual practitioners or programmatic groups that get kids in permit loving families. Um, One of the charities that focuses domestically in foster care here that I really love is called America's Kids Belong. And they help kids get into permanent loving families through sophistication, a sophisticated strategy that's really cool. But one of the major hacks they've come up with that is wildly effective is making videos of these kids that are eight and older in the foster care system. Um, these kids that are have a 0.02% chance of being adopted when they turn eight, like there's something about that 
threshold of like the younger they are, the more likely they are to be adopted out of foster care. These kids that are the ones that have been had their parental rights terminated that are our orphans in the United States. Um, when they're eight and older, it gets much harder. And so they focus on that older cohort and they make videos of them that are beautifully produced where it shows oh, their, you know, little, little Johnny has Asperger's or little Shaniqua has pigtails and loves ponies. Like they show the humanity of these kids and then show it into faith communities, which are three times more likely to adopt. So talk about supply and demand, like going where there's more likelihood of traction and then let the kids become their own advocate for themselves. And they, you know, it, like I dare any person to watch this where a little kid cries and says how much they want a mom and dad or, or siblings say, please don't separate us. Please, please adopt us together and how that doesn't just rip your heart out and have you suddenly like, they're not a statistic. This is a human being and a face to a story and like a personal, you know, a personal conviction to do something. And so these kids along with like working with the government and the governor's office and using the bully pulpit to like get the community to support, whether it's private sector and businesses and awareness and support of these families um, that, that decide to foster those who adopt, like just, you know, wrap, wrap around, kind of program services so it's like if, if a family soaks up one of these kids then let's soak up that family in the church and in the community um this america's kids belong organization has seen these amazing results within six months 50 percent of these kids end up in a, a family um these are kids who had a 0.2 percent chance of adoption and within within two years almost all of them end up in families with rare exception and it's like amazing it, it, the average cost is around a thousand dollars per kid for their outcomes. I mean, it's just incredible statistics, you know? So this is miracle type work, programmatic work. Um, there's a group called One Million Home that internationally is taking, um, working with incredible organizations around the world, for example, in Kenya that are identifying these kids that are in orphanages and finding out where their family is and doing the, the sophisticated social work to, to find out if it's safe to return them back to their families and then supporting those families. You know, there's um, incredible organizations out there who are repurposing these orphanages and turning them into community centers and um, where they can become daycares instead of, you know, like instead of a place for their kids to be taken, it's a, a place to support moms mm-hmm. to keep their kids. My, my really good friend, oh, um, wow. Marcus, who's one of the ambassadors to Orphan Myth, Marcus has this lived experience that's just heartbreaking. He's, he's a friend of mine. He grew up in the slums of Sao Paulo, Brazil in abject poverty, his dad, uh, you know, was never around, um, who was, who, his dad was a criminal and, and a gang member and him and his sister were raised by their single mom who worked for, you know, who worked several different jobs and would clean four different houses all day long from, from sun, sunrise to sunset and make, you know, just a few dollars a day, just enough to live in a corrugated iron, you know, lean to you know shack and barely have enough food to just barely survive and she was neglecting her little six-year-old as a result because she was gone all day working um so she put him into an orphanage realizing his safety was you know impacted and you know these darling wonderful little italian nuns you know took in all these kids down there in brazil and marcus became number 171 he was no longer marcus because he couldn't have a name there were too many kids there to give names to can you imagine like that dynamic a mom having to give her child up because she can instead of and then we fund that orphanage and those sweet nuns and their work instead of supporting marcus's mom to keep her kid and get a vocational education that can get her a better job or create daycare where they could be together in the evenings or even for a moment like on the weekend whatever it may be 
but it's like they would count the days down till her mom, his mom would visit, and it was it wasn't convenient for the orphanage to have his mom visit because that didn't help donors, you know, oh, to no. see that there's a mom there. This kind of stuff, right? And you hear this, and you're just like, there's so much That's more to meeting a child's needs, yeah, than just education and food. So let's let's put family first. Let's understand that that's a human right. And let's uh, we're not even asking people to give more money to this issue. We're saying just redirect the money that you've been giving into it. organizations that are getting these kids oh into permanent living families. Oh my goodness, you are absolutely amazing, and I am beyond excited to you know, support this endeavor and really share this with our tribe around the world because I think it's, it's amazing what you and your group are doing and supporting these organizations and doing what you're doing. I, I just really love it. Um, oh, <laughs> I can't even thank really you. explain, Lindsay. Like, this is just absolutely amazing. Oh, thank you so much for that vote of confidence and support. I mean, I genuinely deserve zero credit. I, I, all, I, all I'm trying to do with my colleagues at Orphan Myth and a group yeah. of amazing people is is to um, play like the, you know the choir conductor the the real stars are the singers you know the performers in the choir like these are the ones that we want to support these organizations and the great work they're doing and and there's all various degrees of which you know they're doing this great work um, and you can learn so much more about them if you go to Orphan Myth there's a bunch of organizations um, the main thing that I would say if anyone listens to this interview or hears about orphan myth is to know, wow, there's the, the fact that there's a, there's myths out there implies that we need more education, right? That like we're learning, like I've supported orphanages in my early career. I went over to Kenya and would go and volunteer in these orphanage AIDS orphanages and hold these little babies and like support it. I've now since learned that that actually creates really damaging psychological impacts on children because they already have abandonment issues because 80% of them have parents that left them. Um, and then my visiting and popping in for a minute and not becoming a relied upon person in their life and caregiver and then leaving, taking selfies and dropping off teddy bears and painting the walls and leaving, actually creating radical attachment disorder in these kids that already have these severe oh, you know, abandonment issues. And yeah. here I was thinking I was helping, right? Here I was thinking mm-hmm. this was a good thing. So like, we're all learning. It's okay to say like, oh, I, I didn't know. Now I know, right? And that's, yeah. that's all we are asking of the, it, it takes ego strength and humility to say, oh my gosh, I thought my helping was helping and it, there was some hurting as a result. Like I've, I've created family separation in my best efforts to do something. That's okay. We, we learn a lot as human beings, right? This is, yes, we're doing better. The main thing is that to acknowledge it, pivot, learn and, and understand our role at the end of the day, like we're a part of an incredible macro ecosystem of cause and effect as human beings. Like we, everything we do matters, whether the products we buy, the, you know, the way we vote, how we live mm-hmm. sustainably, like all of it impacts the lives of others we may never even see. And more than anything, and I, this might sound even sophomore or cheesy to someone and a little Pollyanna, but I, I believe it to my core, the most powerful thing we can do is live moment by moment in love and in truth because that will dictate yeah. our next steps, right? Like you doing your work, Candace, and highlighting people and encouraging and supporting people that care and do good, that's so wildly impactful because if one person hears and goes, wow, like that just calibrated me into like a higher frequency today of how I'm going to be. Maybe all they do is just 
all they do is just be a couple degrees more loving in, in their interactions with humanity. Like that stuff has ripple impacts the way we can't understand fathom. And it's not, it's, it's so much bigger than changing the world. It's like, let's change, let's change one person's world and we can do things like something as simple yeah, as, we can. you know, for a couple dollars, you can support an organization like 1 million home and get a kid back to their family. Like, it, it, it lifts generations out of poverty. It changes trajectories of nations. Like this is not a small thing. These are, this is miracle work. So I'm so grateful to talk about it and grateful for the heroes that have spent their lifetimes doing this work, like our partners on the ground that we've mentioned today, some of them. Well, Lindsay, I am so beyond grateful that you took the time to chat with us and tell us and share with us all of the listeners out there about this because if it wasn't for you coming on today, we wouldn't know about this. And so I, I applaud you and I thank you. And I hope that you come back on the Divas That Care and share more with <laughs> us in the future. Thank you so much, Kat. Thanks for everything you do. And so grateful to, to discuss these issues and humbled to, to say that, hey, we're all learning together. Let's do better together. We're all learning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. We are because I wouldn't have known that at all. And so thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of emotional because I'm kind of thinking of a lot of other things, but I want to thank you, yeah. Lindsay, because I, it yeah. really touched my heart today, and I know that it has thank for you. our listeners. And what I'm going to be doing for all of our listeners is sharing all of Lindsay's information. I'm going to be sharing about the orphan myth. Um, I'm hoping that we can also get some of these uh, amazing organizations to be a part of our Giving Tuesday. And uh, I'll be talking to you, Lindsay, a little bit more about that because we'd love to be able to highlight these organizations a lot more. So thank you again for being my amazing guest. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for supporting those organizations on Giving Tuesday. That's such a wonderful way to support. Thanks, Candace. Yeah, check out orphanmiss.org. Follow us on social. Get involved. Um, spread the word. You know, this is really, really everything we can do is just, communicate, educate, share, and learn together. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. And a huge shout-out to all of our listeners. As I mentioned at the beginning of the program, it's because of our listeners that we've been able to build this tribe of amazing individuals around the world, and we appreciate each and every one of you so much. So make sure that you do something kind today. Until next time, everyone. Thanks for listening. This show was brought to you by Divas That Care. Connect with us on Facebook, on Instagram, and of course on divasthatcare.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss a thing.